Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Bridget Hart. She is the VP of Employee Experience at Ibex. Ibex uh, has over 32,000 staff now, crossing six countries. So employee experience is a really critical role in getting these businesses to run efficiently. Uh, She also oversees communications, change management, and HR, so she is a busy lady. It's a great conversation with Bridget. We talk about all things uh, employee engagement, HR, change management, and of course the COVID work from home and the evolution of employee uh, demands and requirements. So a really great conversation with Bridget. As always, if you're on any of the show, show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Bridget, welcome to the show. You are the VP of Employee Experience in IBEX. What exactly does that mean? Employee experience is something that really covers so many pieces of the business, from employee engagement to intentional programming to tools and technology to community give back to diversity. So I really dive in and work with our people and all of those Um, arenas, but I also oversee some communications and change management as well. So I have a really broad scope, wear a lot of hats. And um, employee experience, though, is certainly the passion and the focus of what what we try to accomplish each day at our It's a big, it's a big scope, especially when, you know, outsourcing and customer service is so employee centric, isn't it? It's so dependent on having a strong employee base. You've got what, over 30,000 staff in this organization. Uh, and so to to be in charge of what is so central to to this industry, it's, it's a pretty important role. Bridget, what is your background to the industry then? What has led you to this juncture? 
it's funny because um, my son is actually a senior in high school. And he said, I think I want to do what you do. Um, and I no. said, I don't think you do because it takes about 20 years to get to this point. Um, I started, you know, my original job out of first thing out of college was as an agent in a call center. I did that briefly. I was a trainer, training manager. I worked in operations, quality assurance, and that kind of evolved into this hybrid employee experience role um, with a little communications thrown in there. So I have nearly 20 years of experience in the BPO industry on this side of the house. And it just eventually honestly kind of evolved into this position that I'm in now. When I started um, working in call centers and working with, with this kind of business 20 years ago, employee experience wasn't something that we talked about all the time like we do today. So we've evolved with the times into this role and Avex has been such a fantastic matchup for me because of their focus on employee experience. That's your journey as case in point, really, as well. I spoke to Justin Tippett of Australia, and he also spent his entire career in call centers. And he saw it as an incredible journey for him, for his career, from you know where he started to where he is now. And he's actually developed um, a CX association in Australia because he just wants to really you know, um, give back to the community from what call centers have given him. What was it... What you know, to summarize your career, what, what have call centers in the industry given you? Well, it's given me all of this perspective and a job that's bigger and better than I ever anticipated. My, my initial thought was I graduated with a degree in communications and I want to use that, that naturally led into training and corporate training and development um, and it, it, it's just snowballed into this thing that's that's better than I could have imagined because the years of experience have given me a very specific insight into what's needed across multiple channels of the business. And I think that unique lens, like your friend, um, it just lends you this perspective that enables you to, to see things from a variety of perspectives and, and to fill those gaps or attempt to meet those needs. And call centers for a long time have been seen as, you know, a bit of a sort of hop in, hop out job or a, a transitional job. Is all of that changing now? Because the, the industry is professionalizing, isn't it? And CX itself is getting so complex uh, and sophisticated. So do you see the agents and the, the staff who run all of this as, as seeing it as more of a career opportunity and a sophisticated profession? I do. And I think that that has spurred on or that has really gained momentum over the past several years. I've, I've seen people change toward a more of a development and growth mindset for a while in the industry. It did. It felt exactly like you said, a hop in and hop out. You know, it was um, kind of a piecemeal placeholder job. But I, I no longer feel that that's the case. And I think it's partly because it's so diversified. And the call center now is not just a place where you go and cold call people at home. Uh, it's so many channels and so many opportunities from work at home to work on site, from text to email communications, to phones, to receiving inbound 
calls. You, you know, it's just a lot broader in scope than it was several years ago. And people are more interested in that type of work because it allows it's, it allows the employee to grow and change and to evolve into a position that fits them well and where they can find a great fit and happiness in the role that they're doing. It seems I've come to the outsourcing industry from a slightly different angle, more of the staff augmentation, but it seems, you know, in my engagement with the outsourcing industry that CX is increasingly eating the world. It seems that it's broadening to such an extent, you know, and it expands, I suppose, to kind of content moderation. You see a lot of people working in AI annotation, um, but CX customer service itself, sales, and all of these things, and even sort of PR and social media they're all combining, aren't they? And businesses are realizing that you can't just, um, you know, it's not just answering the phone. This is the public representation of a company and it needs yes. to be done well and it needs to be done across all of the channels in socials. It, it's a really um, big role of high responsibility now, isn't it? It is. And I think the more that we continue to move toward this technological model and modernize our businesses and the way that we do business, that's just going to continue to grow and evolve. So tell us about IBEX then for those not aware, like what, what's a sort of simple snapshot of uh, IBEX? IBEX is a global provider of BPO services. We have um, engagement technology solutions. We do customer service, the whole entire suite of CX uh, we were quick to jump on the BPO 2.0. We, we understand exactly what you were just saying, that this is the way of the future. It's not just someone taking a phone call. It's so much bigger than that. It is a partnership and it is the face of the business. So um, we have about 32,000 employees in six countries, and we all work together toward the goal of driving an excellent employee experience for our people, which in turn leads to an excellent experience for our partners. And so you are responsible for basically herding all of these cats, like having over 30,000 people all heading in sort of roughly one direction. What do you think, how, how does that even work? Like it, it's, you know, it has to be a marvel of modern society and technology that you can actually coordinate 30,000 people. Um, what's some insight there in terms of, keeping people aligned in terms of a, a company direction and culture? I think there are a couple keys that it's really important for companies to establish when, when building out their employee experience function. One is a methodology or a framework. You can't just start uh, throwing a bunch of fun pizza parties on a, on a calendar or um and expect your employees to feel engaged. It's bigger than that. It needs to be more intentional than that. It needs to be more structured than that. We actually built out a framework that resembles Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we worked through that to develop our IBEXology or our methodology for, for managing this beast in our company. So at the ground level, you have your uh, most important items, training, tools, coaching, development. Then as you move up, those needs are met. You're ready to move up in the triangle. You go into rewards, recognition, um, and you start to build loyalty with your teams. 
as you move on through the pyramid, then you offer mentoring, internal promotions, and you help people to connect back with the business and with the community where they work and live. We always make sure that we're seeking a lot of feedback because that's huge. You know, so often companies throw out um, a bunch of activities or, or, or a bunch of presents or rewards or programs or incentives and act surprised when it doesn't work. But the, the missing piece is asking the employees, what do you want? What do you like? What did we do well? Where can we improve? And actually internalizing that feedback to make a plan that aligns with the needs and wants of your workforce. Then finally, we really believe in partying um, at IBEX. We have a very distinctive culture of celebration where we do these big ticket events and they're planned all through the year. And that's everything from diversity and inclusion week to our IBEX cares platform. We have um, IBEX auto competition that is global for our employees to kind of showcase their talent and, um, Lots, lots of activities around um, site competitions and local teams. And we, we honestly, in the past year, have seen so much of that, or the past couple of years since the pandemic, move to having these groups and these networking opportunities online as well. I want to talk about your, you mentioned diversity and inclusion, and that, you know, is really topical at the moment. But you're already spanning across six countries. And, you know, most most companies are sort of quite homogenous. They're in one town with one kind of identity. But just by the fact that you're spreading across six countries, does that become, you know, really difficult to manage different cultures, different sort of communication styles, different expectations? How do you... And then do you expect to try and homogenize that into one sort of reality or do you expect or do you sort of work with the fact that there are different expectations and cultures? Well, we have we have tackled this in multiple ways for the past several years. And I think we finally have a recipe that works for us. And it's um, it's aligning under a common set of goals, our core values, our company goals, and making sure that those things drive us as a company, drive our vision and drive what we're doing. But at the same time, we do have respect and appreciation for those differences that are among our people. And so often we look at that as a challenge or something we need to overcome when in fact, it is, it's a blessing, it's a reward to have all of these perspectives and all these different types of people ready and willing to partner with you, to share best practices with you, to communicate with you, and to to build a stronger, firmer foundation together. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, it, you know, it has to be seen as an advantage as opposed to a, a complexity, really, isn't it? And so you recently won an award for a, for specifically workplace diversity what, what was your sort of, well, what is that award? And then also, you know, what were the sort of conscious practices to, to embrace this diversity? Um, the most recent award that we won was um, from Newsweek. It was one of America's greatest workplaces for diversity. But we've also in the past been recognized as a great place to work for the Caribbean, for Latin America. And twice we've won um, great place to work for women in the Caribbean and Latin America. So we really have been kind of rolling in some accolades in the way that we're tackling this diversity and inclusion. 
one of our main goals over the past several years has been programming specific to women and the promotion of women in these various cultures. There's a disproportionate amount of men in executive roles in this committee and this group was founded to mentor women into those positions. We've had wild success with that. We also looked into some partnerships with um, groups, global groups that offer mentorships to underserved college students and refugees from all around the world. So that's another way that we've embraced our diversity and shared what we know and what we've learned out into the world. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? And do you, do you often get much travel between the centers, you know, between obviously you're, you're in six countries, but I imagine many, many other cities. Uh, and so is that a sort of part of blending people by, by getting people to sort of move within the organization? Well, I don't think, I think at one time it probably did mean the physical travel and the, the in-person contact across the regions to bring the teams together. But that really has changed. The landscape for that has changed so dramatically over the, you know, the last handful of years since the pandemic primarily, um, I think what's more important than physically traveling to these places is building these cross-functional and global teams that work together, you know, through Zoom, through conference calls on, on, we call them tiger teams or little breakout teams that are assigned to address specific issues, concerns, programs, et cetera. Got it. Yeah. And that's to break down the, the silos, yeah? not necessarily just between uh, geographies, but also then between departments and, and functions. 100%. We've seen a lot of success with that. In fact, our ESG committee is a, a diverse group of people from all levels of the business, all regions of the business who come together to discuss, you know, here, here's what the landscape looks like. Here's where we at currently. Here is where we'd like to go in the next five, 10 years and how we're going to get there. We've, we also do that with global engagement. Back to your point earlier, it is hard to find activities or causes or, um, initiatives that really unite people. But if you come together as a group and talk about those things, you can find the common grounds. And when you come together and unify around that, the results are really phenomenal. Talking on ESG, and this is a little bit off the off the sort of agenda, but, um, you know, I've, I find it striking in the call center industry that so often it's confused with being unethical and, you know, paying low salaries across the world and things like that. But, you know, anyone inside the industry sees it completely the opposite that it provides incredible opportunities globally and for people to tap into the global economy um, and see it as such a boon for the the people the careers and the economies how do you um, sort of weigh that up in terms of an esg and connecting with your community maybe back in the us is it is it, is it sort of continual education about, hey, we're doing a good thing here and just sort of trying to um, reconcile those two differing points of view? I think it's constant storytelling and and making sure it, it it's very easy to do all these wonderful things and not tell anyone about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've all been guilty of doing that. I know, I've, again, I've, I've worked in call centers at various levels for over 20 years. And 
there are countless examples of wonderful things we've done for people, for individuals, for communities. But it wasn't until recently that we recognized that as a piece of the success story. You have to tell people what you're doing if you want that to be the perception. So instead of just letting all the negative Nancy's tell your story, you have to get out there and say, hey, yeah, of course, some people don't like it. It's not for everybody. But look at all the amazing things we are doing for these people and for this community. In the U.S. specifically, we found partnership with local nonprofit organizations in the community, offering opportunities for our employees to give back and help and partner alongside those organizations has done wonders for our reputation for the community, but also for our people. It's it's honest, it's genuine. They choose who locally means the most to them. In our new Braunfels, Texas site, they, they're really passionate. Their workforce is really passionate about Relay for Life. So we support them under our IBEX Cares platform to make that their their charity, their purpose for the year, they fundraise, they partner, they volunteer, they donate. In Beckley, West Virginia, their passion is the Humane Society. So we're doing the same kind of thing there, but we're just supporting the people and what they want to do instead of prescribing out what they they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's having that local impact, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. I'm just always amazed, you know, we spend a huge amount of money on advertising and promotion into the US and UK and it's it's incredible the polarization of opinions you get about outsourcing you know people literally think it's exploitation they think it's slave labor they think it's um, <laughs> you know terrorism even they 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 say they accuse us of you know and it's phenomenal and it's just trying to find a way of communicating that actually you're paying fantastic salaries. You're giving incredible economic opportunity. You're um, building careers for people, you know, in fantastic work environments. Um, I just feel it needs to be sort of shared so much more. It's it's crazy. Well, now that we have, th- now that there are requirements around ESG reporting, I hope that that goes a long way in clearing up some of that misinformation. The the governance piece, people don't realize the extent to which BPOs are monitored and regulated, mm. how compliant we are, how, how much time and energy and effort and how many thousands of jobs go into making sure that we are running ethical businesses and that we're doing the right things. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And, you know, coercion just does not work in employment. You have to, all of these BPOs, they work on the same principles as Facebook and Google, maybe not with the same budget, but it's all about how do you, how do you sort of win the, what is it, the the trust and excitement of the staff so that they're really motivated to do their best for the, for the company and their career. It's, it's, um, there's no, shortcuts is there it's just about treating the staff well and and trying to get the best out of them yes investing back into the employees and their experience so upskilling is maybe related to that the as we've mentioned the cx industry is continually changing it's really almost at the forefront of technology at the moment with all the different social medias and uh, apps and tools um how do you how do you address 
the requirement for upskilling of 30,000 people and to ensure that they are relevant to where the industry is going in the next five or 10 years. It's all about, and this, this plays in nicely with the whole employee experience talk track. It's about investing back into the business, back into the people. That's what drives employee experience and training and leadership development is no different. So you want to allow these resources to reward and recognize your people, but you also have to allot and plan for these resources to train them, to upskill them, to make sure that they're comfortable enough with the product, with the script, with the job to do the job well. And that lends itself to this retaining of talent. Um, people generally want to do a good job. They want to come to work and feel fulfilled and successful. And you have to plan for that as a business and make sure they feel supported and developed, that they have the tools and resources they need. And you do that through the allocation of resources and time. We have dedicated teams of people, both um, that are for new hire training, for upskill training. And then we have leadership development groups who find those talented individuals who are seeking the next level, who want to grow as a company and make sure they have those opportunities and that they have a track to retain that knowledge so that when the next level position comes available, we've got a whole group of people who are ready to step into that role. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's within your interests as well, isn't it? You you really want to hold tightly onto those superstars and you want, you want to make it worth their while as well. Yeah. Yeah. From a business perspective, it just makes sense. Um, the longer somebody is with a company, the, the more they know, the more they can share, the more useful they are to the company, but also the, the happier, more fulfilled and more successful that individual is on the, on the flip. So amongst your numerous roles, you also oversee change management. And obviously, a couple of years ago, we had really significant change really quickly with the advent of COVID. Everyone had to go into, you know, a completely different environment. How how did you, how did Ibex and how did you evolve with this sort of fast changing uh, transition from office to work from home? Well, we had zero work from home. experience when the pandemic hit. So we had to mobilize an entire division of our organization to meet the needs of the pandemic and of the world during this crisis. So we were operationalizing things quickly. We were learning by fire. We were um, throwing ourselves in the ring and evolving and making adjustments and changes on the fly. Um, And finally, over time, developing a recipe that that got us results. A a lot of companies really struggled through the pandemic. And I I feel like we just gained momentum because that's when we started to leverage those global teams and that partnership across the company. We started to work more horizontally than vertically, and it's paid dividends. And what are your reflect like what are your thoughts on work from home you know is it is it the optimal or is a blend an optimal or ideally you know would it be better if everyone came into an office it surely it must be better for culture for training for onboarding uh, all of those sort of things like where do you see the the ideal 
Well, my opinion on this is varied. And um, I've, I've spent a lot of time in a classroom in my life, and I've learned that the answer to everything is it depends. And I think that is true in this case as well. I think it depends on, one, the individual and their needs, whether an at-home job is feasible, if it's desirable, it, and if it's even possible, um, whether going into an office is better for a person. But I also think that that varies by the nature of the work and the restrictions that are associated with it. I, I can see some programs like, um, I, I don't know examples right off the top of my head, but some programs, it would be a lot easier to be at home and be focused by yourself and to work through the difficulty of those calls. Others, you may need more support and people on hand to help you with that. I think the answer is it depends. I think it also depends on the region. In the U.S., we have this great access to technology. In yeah. other areas where our company functions, that's just not the case. Um, you, we, we can't assume that internet is easily accessible to everyone who um, would want to work from home. So for them, coming into the office is the, the optimal solution. And I think that if you can create a business model that's varied enough, that's diversified to allow for that and to take the time to work that puzzle and put those people with those programs, that's when you're going to find the sweet spot where people are happy and the business outcomes are good. I don't think there's a one size fits all solution. And I heard this interesting thing the other day, I was, I was reading an article, but the, you know, in human development, you have the first 10 years of your life, which is pretty much um, done by the family, by the parents. Then the second 10 years is sort of molded by the school. And then in your 20s to 30s, you're kind of molded by the workplace. And, you know, it's a really interesting development. And then by your 30s, you're sort of molded and you're out on your own then. Um, I kind of do, do you fear for the 20-year-olds entering the workforce that sort of their first day of work is opening a laptop on, on their bed? And how do you think that has an impact in terms of, uh, the culture and the absorption of kind of work uh, principles? Well, I think that the change has been gradual and ongoing. My, my sons both are in high school now and they're taking classes online during the workday while they're at school. Um, so they, wow. you know, they, they'll have one class with an instructor where they're not allowed to have phones. And then the very next class is completely asynchronous online and um, with their them and their computer. So I think that the, that age group has been well prepared for the workforce as it currently stands, but those options are available. I think it's more, more now than ever, people can find the right fit. It in the I read an interesting article that said, you know, our parents and and my generation, Gen X, we stayed at jobs for a long time, and there was this goal for retiring from a company, and that's a thing of the past. 
But I'm starting to personally see a shift back towards some of that stability. Maybe you won't stay with a company for 30 years, but I no longer think that the desire is to hop around and finding that good fit for me and for what I want and what I want to do and how my life looks and what my needs are. And having those options available is something that this generation coming into the workforce expects. It is. It's incredible, isn't it? It's a completely different perspective of, of you know, maybe your sons. Um, their, their insight and just how they interact with the world is completely different, isn't it? You know, and I, I, I'm just amazed that when they become hiring managers, when they become CEOs, founders, the way that they're going to build a workforce and interact with candidates and employees is completely different, isn't it? You know, and I think that's when the workforce will become truly global because it probably wouldn't even occur to them that they had to hire someone in their local hometown and sit with them in an office. Yeah. They're just kind of in a digital. They assume, right. They assume digitally they'll be able to connect with these people when they need to. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And so, you know, in terms of change management and coming back to this work from home thing, do you like, where's all of that going and and is it just sort of embracing sort of seeing how it feels or do you think that you can say in five years ibex strategy will be here in terms of that and that will be the optimal strategy i think that the optimal strategy will continue to evolve i I find it difficult to predict, you know, five years ago, what I thought the world would look like compared to what the world actually looks like is uh, a bit overwhelming, really. Um, I had never personally intended to have a work from home job, but I have had one now for several years and I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, So I expect that this, we will continue on this track. I do think that globalization is something that's coming everywhere. I think this idea, this component of self-service and self-help and, you know, reaching out to, to chat or, or for assistance when you need it, but shifting the burden of accomplishing things to the individual will be ongoing. You see that even when you go to the store, um, you can be checked out by a human or you can do it yourself. Um, And you can go in and see a banker or you can do your banking yourself. And I think we're just going to see a continuation and expansion of those things. And the businesses that adapt to that are the ones that are going to be the most successful. Mm. And it really is just feeling it out because I suppose, you know, um, Ibex as a company maybe has its own preferences, but then also the employees have their say and their preferences. And then also the clients, your clients ultimately have the, the, the final say, I suppose, you know, if they want in, you know, in-house staff or home-based. So it, it's, um, it's difficult to, to marry together all of those preferences and ideals. It's almost like a, it's a portfolio of choices that you have to have available that, you customize and tailor to fit the employee you choose with the vendor's requests and the needs of the business. It's all big balancing act. It's not cut and dry. There's a lot of insight and analytics planning that has to go into that. I think it's a, it's a much more intentional business model, a much more customized and tailored business model than we've seen before. Incredible. It is changing so fast. And I suppose to end, uh, I don't know if this is a light question or a, or a heavy question, but 
you know, out of as we came out of COVID, there was the whole great resignation, and in the US, there was sort of the the woke workplaces, and and it seemed to become very difficult to manage employees and keep them content. It seems to be getting more of a sort of complex job. Do you do you see that happening? Do you see you know, or is that just a sort of ebb and flow of employee humanity or do you see that the world is becoming sort of progressively more complex for managing the contentment of staff i do think it's becoming increasingly more complex i think that the amount of options that we're presented with today the fact that all the information in the world and all of the options in the world are available at your fingertips on your phone all day every day has brought forth this generation who is not content to do things the way that they've always been done. And I think as they enter the workforce, there will be just an increased need for this flexibility and I guess diversity and in the way that we work so that people can find the fit that works for them because I, I no longer think that just saying everybody comes in the office from nine to five is going to be an option. It's not going to be a sustainable business model. Yeah, that's complicated, isn't it? It's, uh, it is. It's, it's very it's, complicated. It's, uh, it's a I, puzzle. I heard an analogy. Yeah, it is a puzzle, isn't it? You know, I heard an analogy earlier that, you know, back in schools, back in the day, you, you would have sort of one option and then schools had, you know, for food uh, and schools then had to provide five or 10 different options, but then they also had to provide vegan and they had to provide, you know, and, and it just, it sort of almost never ends, does it, in terms of the, the customization? Yes. Yes. Complicated. Complicated. Bridget, uh, brilliant conversation and, and great insight. So uh, thank you so much. If anyone wants to reach out to you or, or learn more about uh, Ibex and, and the great work you do there, how can they do that? You can reach out to me via email at bridgethart at ibex.co or I'm also on LinkedIn and would love to connect with you. And that's just at Bridget Hart. That was Bridget Hart. She is the VP of Employee Experience at Ibex. As always, if you want to get in touch or get any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.